0: Hey, what's up? We are hot on the trail of Trump going to jail and we're happy Christmas referral or criminal referral Eve. What? Twitter is now banning accounts that post links to other social media. What? Twitter is banning accounts that post links to other social media platforms? The fuck is that? We work man We will remove accounts created solely? For the purpose of promoting other social platforms and content that contains links or usernames. Facebook? Instagram? True social? Tribal? Damn. What the fuck is wrong with Facebook? What about TikTok? Not TikTok, though, eh? So a lot of crows from any social media. What? What the fuck? That's fucking stupid. Um, still a lot of cross-posting content from many social media platform. Posting links or usernames to social media platforms not listed above. Cross-posting content. What is that? My cross Created solely for the purpose of promoting other social platforms and content that contains links or username. What the fuck? That fucking sucks. They're gonna fucking ban me right away. <sighs> Law experts, legal expert. of this week's bombshells: criminal contempt sounds pretty groovy. Our clinical curriculum brings Might intuition to make it real, perspective to make it stick, and wisdom to make it.
1: Welcome to the midweek edition of Legal AF, the top legal podcast providing an Hello, puppy. Hmm.
0: analysis
1: of the most consequential developments at the intersection of law and politics with your regular team of midweek anchors, Michael Popok and Karen Friedman at Dittler, We have a special crossover oh. edition, Karen, of Legal AF, because we're joined for our first segment by Anthony Davis, journalist, podcast host, and broadcaster, and he's the host of Five Minute News and the weekend show on the Midas Media Network. He's unvarnished, he's unbiased, and he's here with us today to talk about our first topic. Our first topic, uh, speaking of first topics, the Biden administration and its State Department has made a decision to seek immunity for Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, who's also known as MBS, in a suit brought by the widow of journalist and U.S. citizen, Jamal Khashoggi of the Washington Post, who was brutally ambushed, tortured, killed, and dismembered in 2018 in Istanbul at the Saudi consulate. According to the U.S. intelligence community, that was done by order of MBS. So why did the Biden administration weigh in and argue for immunity, and what does it mean internationally? our global standing as a defender of human rights, Anthony Davis will join us for this discussion. Then Karen and I will talk about the revelation just yesterday of a secret trial that was conducted last December, but didn't get disclosed until yesterday, in which a New York State Supreme Court judge, Judge Mershon, found the Trump Organization in criminal contempt even before the Trump Organization trial and conviction on 17 felony counts, including tax evasion even began. They were already in criminal contempt before that even began. Was its disclosure this week a signal from the New York trial judge to Chief Judge Beryl Howell in the District of Columbia and the Department of Justice about Trump's unclean hands when it comes to documents? I'll give you my view, and we'll hear from Karen on that. Next, we discussed the New York Attorney General Letitia James filing her motion to dismiss Trump's and the Trump uh, revocable trust's uh, suit in Florida, now in a Florida federal court, in front of probably the least favorite judge that Donald Trump could face, Judge Middlebrooks, Don Middlebrooks, in which Donald Trump is trying to get a federal court in Florida to dismiss and prevent the continued prosecution of the civil fraud case in New York by Letitia James's office. This is now in front of the same judge who just last month dismissed. Trump suit against Clinton, Hillary Clinton, and a whole load of Democrats and sanctioned Donald Trump and his lawyers as well. But terrible draw for Trump. We'll talk about what it means. And we'll end tonight's podcast with the possibility that the biggest hammer in the Department of Justice's arsenal against the Jan 6 defendants and future ones like Donald Trump, the obstruction of an official proceeding uh, felony count with its 20-year sentence may be on life support based on an appeal and an oral argument that's pending before the D.C. Uh, Court of Appeals in Washington. <clears throat> A dozen federal prosecutors and FBI, FBI agents watch the oral argument from the gallery and want to know what the result is going to be <clears throat> because it changes the approach of the Department of Justice in their interactions of, uh, with current Jan uh, 6 defendants changes convictions that have already happened based on obstruction counts and will and would change irrevocably future indictments of people using what has been the biggest hammer in the department of justices back that's a lot to talk about at midweek but we're going to do it as we always do karen how are you it's so great to see you in what i've now discovered uh is a real actual library it is. i always i thought it was a backdrop that you used and then you you swiveled your camera around, which we'll now do for those that watch us on YouTube, and showed me how wrong I was. Uh, this is actually a real office behind me, but for some reason I thought the angle showed, that, that was some sort of amazing backdrop, but no, I'm wrong. So, but I'm glad you're here. How was your week? How was your week of being a, a lawyer, a defense lawyer, and, and all that great stuff?
2: It's been good. It's been a really good week, getting ready for the holidays, trying to figure out what some gifts to give, and all, all those various things, but it's been good. How about you?
1: Oh, I, it's great. And I'm I'm doing the same thing as you are. I'm trying to check off my shopping list with Hanukkah and Christmas wow. on top of each other this year. And maybe some people during today's show will get some in, in, inspiration by some of our sponsors. And you know, maybe I, I some actually, of our...
2: one of our sponsors that we're going to get to later is yeah. one of the gifts that I've given and will be giving so several people because it's a great sponsor. But we'll so save great. that.
1: And I, and, and I know you're going to do that, Andrew. You're going to do that, Andrew, and I love that new sponsor. We'll talk about that when we get to it. But let's get to something really less lighthearted and much more serious, which is the United States human rights policies and uh, a recent decision by the Biden administration and its State Department to intervene to argue that the uh, crown prince of uh, Saudi Arabia um, is – not responsible or can't be sued in a federal courthouse by the widow of Jamal Khashoggi for his dismembering death and all of that. Uh, For that, I'd like to bring in Anthony Davis, our colleague on the Midas Media Network, broadcaster extraordinaire, um, host of the Five Minute News and the Weekend Show. Just brings an amazing, even though he lives in America now, an international perspective based on his his uh, longtime work with the BBC and others. So, Anthony, we're pleased to have you back on the show. And I think this is a perfect segment for, for us to talk about. Let me frame it over two minutes, and then I want to get both Karen and yours view about it. So here's the undisputed facts. We have the crown prince of Saudi Arabia who really runs that regime um, in uh, Mohammed bin Salman, known as MDS. Um, and the U.S. intelligence community has no doubt and delivered that report to Joe Biden, really upon his move into the White House, that MBS had given the the, uh, the green light, the go order, to send an execution team of 15 people, including nine of them that were on his personal security detail, known as the rapid response team. He, he first devised an elaborate trick and a plot to get um, Jamal Khashoggi, who had written unfavorable press and articles about Saudi Arabia when he, when he was at the Washington Post, and, and this, is, this just gets more heartbreaking the more I tell the story. Uh, Jamal was about to get married, eventually married, um, who is now the plaintiff in the case against Saudi Arabia, um, a woman, and uh, needed a certain paperwork from Saudi Arabia, which he had left behind living as an expatriate in the United States years ago. Uh, when MBS, according to the intelligence community, learned that he needed this paper, the, the, the decision, the plan was hatched to trick him into getting back onto Saudi soil. In this case, the consulate sitting in Istanbul. And, and when he got there, uh, of course, ambush him, not give him the paper he was looking for. Instead, torture, kill, and dismember him, literally, uh, while he was there, and his, his fiancée, then wife, never got to see him ever again. And so that happened in 2018. And since then, um, there's been this litigation that was started by um, his fiancée, or now wife, actually, in the uh, federal court in the District of Columbia. And there is a ba- there was a battle, or has been a battle doctrinally from uh, a immunity standpoint as to whether the crown prince was head of state or something akin to it because if he wasn't head of state, or something to, to the equivalency, then he would not have immunity, but if he was head of state, he would have immunity. And that goes back to a long line of State Department um, uh, policies and uh, positions that the, that, uh, that the United States has taken, almost in an unbroken chain of precedent about no matter how heinous the crimes, if the person that did it is, is a head of state, he's not going to be able to be sued. In the united states for that and so for a long time the timing of this is important for a long time it was suspect whether the crown prince being just the crown prince not head of state would be able to successfully argue that he had immunity and given the strategic geopolitical importance apparently of saudi arabia to america through every administration not only because of oil and its OPEC role, but also because of um, its geopolitical situations and its location in the military world and as a buffer against other, other regimes, uh, especially as it relates, for instance, with Israel. Let's be, let's be honest, the US government has made a devil's bargain a long time ago with Saudi Arabia, and Biden appears to have been in opposition to uh, not honor that bargain. But the State Department made a decision to wait as long as they could to weigh in until the Saudi family led by MBS's father made a decision at the very last minute, literally the day before the federal judge ordered that the State Department file its position on immunity. The day before, uh, King Salman, the father of MBS, stripped off one of his own titles, that of Prime Minister, and gave it to his son, thus cloaking him in immunity because the State Department already made clear that Prime Minister is a head of state and would enjoy immunity. It's fishy. It happened, apparently, with the United States's, um, I don't know about endorsement, but at least with their sanctioning of it. And we need to talk about it because we talk about hard things on Legal AF. Let's bring in first... Um, Anthony, Anthony, what did you think about all this and, and what's, your, what's your perspective about the Biden administration and the timing of waiting for the Crown Prince to be given a better time?
3: I, I think it's less about uh, the Biden administration and it's more about the United States of America uh, because this probably would have happened with whichever administration it would be in. Um, and as you know, Trump did a whole bunch of uh, arms deals with Saudi. Uh, including one for around 350 uh, billion, just, you know, halfway through his, his presidency. I mean, it's 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 not just fishy, this decision to kind of take the king's role, because, of course, the king automatically becomes the prime minister in, in, in Saudi Arabia. That's kind of how it works. So to strip the king of, of his own title and to give it to uh, his son in this way and suddenly make him prime minister, of course, the only reason they did it was because of this. So, so that he wouldn't be accountable, even though the king had already taken responsibility for the... You know, they said, we take responsibility for this crime, but then they don't expect to, for anything else to come from that. And so this is really more about the relationship between the United States and Saudi Arabia, or Saudi Arabia and the, re- and the rest of the world. I don't think it's specific to Biden. The, the issue with Biden is that he made a promise that he wouldn't sell any more arms to Saudi Arabia, he called them a pariah. He, you know, he had all this rhetoric leading up to the election. He did stick with it, and now, obviously, as time passes and there's deals to be done and money to be made, it's yet again the United States putting the dollar above human rights and above a moral compass.
1: Yeah, I think you, I think you put it perfect there. Let's bring in the former prosecutor, Karen friedman Ignifalo for her for her views of you know, Biden's ultimately making that hard decision, but making a decision um, to allow this to happen. I don't think anybody should think this was like Sleepy Joe asleep at the wheel, and he got outfoxed by Saudi Arabia. I don't know how involved we were in the decision-making, but the, the State Department was waiting an awful long time until the very last moment to give... The Saudis' time to give the title that was necessary to MBS. What do you think, Karen, from a prosecutor standpoint as well?
2: Yes. Yeah, so there's all kinds of immunities, right, that that we afford people in uh, in the United States and elsewhere. One of them, from the criminal side, is, for example, diplomatic immunity, and that has to do with diplomats, foreign diplomats who come to this country and sometimes commit crimes, they cannot be prosecuted here without the consent of their government. And most of the time, they just whisk them away and you know take them back and say, we'll deal with it in our country. And the reason we engage in these types of agreements with countries is because when we have our diplomats that go on foreign soil, we want them to be afforded the same courtesy, frankly, because uh, as we all know, there are strange, you know, there are laws all over the world that are very different than ours. And if you find yourself, you know, like, like Brittany Greiner, who was in Russia, who was arrested for being gay, and having residue in her vape of marijuana, you know, that those things aren't illegal here. And that is apparently illegal there. And so she was arrested pretextually, obviously, but she was arrested if she had been a diplomat, for example, she would not have, she would have had immunity and would not have been prosecuted. And what happens is she gets arrested and then we have to do things like do that deal with the real devil, you know, with um, Victor Boot to get her out. And, um, and you know, it's very difficult. And so that's one of the reasons we we do this with, you know, this is, now this is sovereign immunity um, you know, one of the reasons we recognize this—this this applies in the civil context here. This was a civil suit; this was not criminal. But it's the same kind of thing. It's you know how, how you will have uh, jurisdiction over a governmental entity, whether it's your own or whether it's um, whether it's uh, another country. But it's it's very much because we also want that same that same um, recognition in the rest of the world. So that's why we do things like this. And, and we engage in these types of very difficult decision-making so that our people can be protected as well in places that might not have the kind of due process or um, or court systems or laws that we have. And so, you know, it, it was a very difficult decision uh, that I think had to be made, but had to be made. There's no, that there's absolutely no other way around it. You know, sovereign immunity, comes actually um, stems from, from our days, you know, when we were affiliated with, uh, with England and the King of England. And, you know, you just under the there's, it it comes from a tradition of the government, you know, doesn't, can't, can't do any wrong. And so therefore cannot be sued without its consent. And so that is the rule that is the law, but the, but, you know, there is, because obviously in our country, uh, we recognized that governments can do wrong. So we, we passed the Federal uh, Tort Claims Act that spells out when you can sue the government. Um, so, you know, it's, it's very, the law is very clear. And I think Biden didn't have a choice and I think he had to do it this way. But, frankly you know everyone knows it was a farce that mbs was made uh, prime minister just to avoid this but i think more than anything they wanted to avoid a, a diplomatic um disaster if if you know he was allowed to be sued in this country and the the frankly the just disaster that would come with discovery and all you know this is just a heinous crime and you know, the more you look at it, the less it's palatable to have this diplomatic relationship with Saudi Arabia. So I think for everyone's sake, they just want this to not be front and center so that we can go on with, with life.
1: Yeah, I thought that, that's a good overview. They, look, the politics aligns people and administrations in strange ways. Um, when the Saudi government was the subject of um, new legislation after 9-11 in the form of the um of the form of jasta the justice against sponsors of terrorism act hillary clinton at the time was a big proponent of it while she was still in the senate but when it reached by uh, obama's desk uh, and this would have allowed people like the 9-11 families at that moment to sue directly the saudi government for their involvement in 9-11 obama vetoed it and it took a full congress to override the veto um, and so, you know, people, if you just take one thing out of context, you could say, oh, Obama was against the 9 11 families. But there are these more complicated geopolitical issues, especially around Saudi Arabia, um, that come into play. And unfortunately, I think what's left for people like uh, Khashoggi's wife is going to have to be an act of Congress that somehow overrides and allows for this particular immunity to be removed and to allow her to have a continued suit. Um, Anthony, what do, you, what do you think about, you know, cases like the 9-11 families and their ability to go against the Saudi family and whether there would be uh, a political will to have Congress, some Congress, um, allow such a case to go forward in, You know, as an exception to the general immunity standards? I think the U.S. would just love all of this to go away wouldn't it? because, you know,
3: ultimately, this is not something that the prosecutors want to deal with. It's not something that politicians want to deal with. It's the kind of unfortunate nature of geopolitics where you need to do business with countries that are, um, you know, murderers. I mean, the, the detail of this particular murder with Jamal Khashoggi, if you read into it, you know, the way his body was dissolved in acid and all this stuff. I mean, it's horrific. I can't help but think, just in back to your question, I can't help but think that if he was like a white American citizen, then the reaction might have been slightly different. And then, and then obviously with 9-11, part of the problem there was that, you know, initially there was this huge political diversion as to who was the perpetrator of this crime. And, you know, it was pointed to Saddam Hussein, it was pointed to Afghanistan eventually. And then, of course, they find the perpetrator in Pakistan. But it had, you know, 17 of the 19 bombers were Saudi nationals. And so, again, it's another situation for America to have to deal with. It's like, well, you know, I guess just business, you know, it's just business all the time. It just comes down to business. And this is what drives me mad. There is nothing to stop Biden from saying, "Okay, no more arms deals. So you have to ask the question, who is putting pressure on Biden? to continue selling arms to Saudi Arabia and supporting the war in Yemen. Who, who is putting pressure on the U.S. Um, attorneys to not to give the 9-11 victims the justice that they deserve? I mean, there is clearly, um, you know, in England we refer to it as the establishment. You know, you, if you've seen the Netflix documentary with uh, Harry and Meghan, you'll learn about the, the forces, the dark forces that are, Behind a lot of these decisions as an outsider i'm kind of asking you guys as american citizens you know who who are those kind of unspoken dark forces not the deep state i'm not going into conspiracy territory but clearly there are decisions made at a very high level that are recommended to the president of the united states and to the you know to federal prosecutors who's making these decisions who's advising these decisions to kind of just skirt saudi arabia at every opportunity
1: i think i think you put you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that, that this is not just biden this is just a long unbroken chain of state department and diplomacy decisions and military decisions where we're going to just bet on saudi arabia i mean there's a reason why it's not just those photos of you know George W. Bush hold, literally holding hands with King Salman, you know Biden does it too. Trump did it. I mean they they all do it because well they fist you know, you, bumped I seem to remember. Well yeah they right because COVID was happening. But they, they if you if you were able to lift Saudi Arabia out of its geopolitical location and put it somewhere else that was less vital to America's interest, or you sucked all the oil out from under Saudi Arabia, or you didn't have it as part of the Middle East. I assure you that the decision-making would be different. If this was a, a sandy patch in Africa that had no role whatsoever and no spillover effect on policymaking, they would not be kowtowing um, to and looking the other way on Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia is so worried about its reputation that it literally formed a multi-billion dollar sport league to compete with the PGA in, in live golf. And it's overpaying American, primarily American golfers, hundreds of billions of dollars, to to whitewash their bloody hands. And the Saudi Arabia has
3: got so much money. I mean, this is part of the problem, isn't it? They have an unlimited supply of funds, and the U.S. does not in the same way. Certainly, where I'm from in the U.K., you know arms is the second biggest export from the uk and saudi is one of the biggest customers to the uk BAE systems is one of the biggest arms companies there and and so we have the same conversation in england all the time about this and it just boils down to the fact certainly in england we don't have much gdp i mean we don't really make anything anymore you know we just have financial services and broadcasters arms dealers, dealers. and actors broadcasters, broadcasters and actors business. exactly <laughs> so so i can see why the uk as a small country with with very few assets relies on saudi arabia in terms of sales but i don't understand it with the united states where the, it has massive gdp it has it has a huge opportunity to kind of you know build in america hire in america make in an america and yet it's still relying on these yeah. kind of these deals to sell tanks and missile systems. Yeah. I just don't, I don't
1: get it. That, I don't think it's that, but I don't think it's necessarily GDP-driven. If they weren't sitting on top of oil wells and in control in part of OPEC and OPEC Plus, yeah. and they, they weren't so important to, to our democratic ideals in the Middle East That's and, right, our I think strate- it is. and our strategic relationship with Israel, which is important for anybody that doesn't think it's important, just go to Israel. And, and you'll understand almost instantly the importance of Israel to our American foreign policy and democracy having any role at all in the fabric of the Middle East. I think it's that. The extra sh- the extra I was at shekel, the extra dollar that the America makes from selling arms to, they could do without that. They can make it up somewhere else. But I don't think you can turn your back if it if that is your foreign policy, which it, ha- it has been for, you know, 60 or 70 years. Saudi, then you have to you have to hold your nose, which is what it appears every administration does. And, and World War Three when, might have something to do with it as well. Don't yeah, you think? averting I mean, World War Three, right? right? It's, 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 it would be it's nice. Iran
3: who is right there, and Iran is of course the enemy of Saudi. Yeah. And Iran, as we know, we're kind of always on the brink of war with Iran, or some people are kind of goading it to happen. I know Trump yeah. is probably looking to start a war in Iran. But that, that is the other problem, isn't it? It's it's the geography of that area. That's and right. you, you know, who's on the side of, of the Sunnis and yeah. who's on the side of the Shiites, and so you end up in a situation, and, and America has to pick a side.
1: Yeah. As unsavory as picking that side is, Anthony, every time I have you on the show with Karen, I've always I'm always said to myself, I've got to bring it back like once a month at least. We made that promise last time, and then we then we didn't do it. And we would talk yeah. to you at, at length on every... every uh, every segment today if we could, but um, I think uh, Kara would like to come on your show. I know I'll come back on your show. Uh, Five Minute News, The Weekend Show with Anthony Davis. Always a pleasure to have you on with us, Anthony, and and happy holidays to you and your family. Same to you, thank you very much.
3: Time to do some damage.
1: segue out of that <laughs> out of that segment, but I'm going to try, Karen. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? Did you know that, Karen? If you it wake didn't. up too hot, or I didn't either, although I get hot or cold during the night, and I always wonder why and what I can do about it, I highly recommend that you check out Miracle Brand's bed sheets. It's inspired by silver-infused fabrics made by NASA. Miracle Brand makes temperature-regulating bedding so you could sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Boy, this would solve a lot of problems for me. I've always got that one leg sneaking out because I get too hot during the night. Do you know that that traditional bed sheets can also harbor more bacteria ugh, than a toilet seat? Yuck! It's it can lead to I know that. Let's let's read that again. Traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat. It can lead to acne and allergies and stuffy noses it's just there's no other word for it karen it's just gross miracle brand however offers a whole line of self-cleaning eco-friendly bedding such as sheets pillowcases and comforters that prevent 99 percent of bacteria and require three times less laundry it uses that silver infused fabric that i mentioned that was developed for nasa they're thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night, whatever that perfect temperature is for you, so you can get a better sleep every night. And they're self-cleaning. These sheets are infused with natural silver that prevent 99.9% of bacterial growth, leaving, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross, or, gross odors. Couldn't get that out. Gross odors. There we go. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable, without the high price tag of other luxury brands. They are here. We go the perfect gifts for your spouse, friends, or family. We're right at the holiday time when you're trying to make a list of what you could buy people. Who doesn't want to sleep and uh, who doesn't want better sleep and luxurious feeling bed sheets? And since these come with three free towels, you get two gifts in one. Just in time for the holidays. It's better for your skin. Stop sleeping in bacteria, Karen. How many times do I have to tell you that clean, so sheets mean, <laughs> clean sheets mean clean sheets mean less bacteria to clog your, your pores and fewer breakouts and other skin problems. Go to trymiracle.com slash legal AF. That's T-R-Y-M-I-R-A-C-L-E dot com slash what else? Legal AF to try it today or gift it to someone special this holiday season. And we got a special deal for our listeners and followers and watchers. Save over 40% and be sure to use our promo code, legal, A-F-L-E-G-A-L-A-F, at checkout to save even more and get those three free towels. And Miracle is so confident in their product. It's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you will get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle brand. Go to try try legal legalAF And use the code LEGALAF to claim your three-piece towel set for free and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash LEGALAF to treat yourself a friend or a loved one this holiday. Stephen, thank you, Miracle Brand, for sponsoring this episode. We're glad to have you on board as one of our many sponsors. Karen, um, it's a miracle that we're even getting through these segments (laughs) as (laughs) rapidly as we are. And here's my favorite one, one of my favorite ones for tonight. And this has to do with your your old office, the Manhattan DA. And we just learned yesterday that the Trump Organization was the subject of a mini-trial in December of last year, secret. No one knew about it until it was revealed by the court yesterday. We'll talk about why that happened. In which the judge, and in a 28-page order, found the Trump Organization in criminal contempt beyond a reasonable doubt for their willful flouting of orders and subpoenas that had been issued to the Trump organization. The judge had had enough after reciting all of the facts of all of the shenanigans there with the Trump organization. The, Trump threw the, uh, the, the judge threw the book at them and found them in uh, criminal contempt. The only reason we didn't find out about it in advance is because the judge didn't want a future jury and the jury to learn that the Trump organization had already been found in criminal contempt, been convicted of something before the start of their tax fraud case, because, and I think rightly so, they didn't want the jury to be uh, biased uh, against the Trump organization. The timing of it is interesting. But first, I want to get uh, Karen your view. You got Solomon Shine Rock, a former colleague of yours, who apparently handled the trial successfully. Talk, talk. Let's talk about. When a judge, when a prosecutor asks for criminal contempt and when a judge issues it, what it, what is it and why does a court use it? What does it mean that the Trump organization got found in criminal contempt before their main trial even started? Not
2: widely used criminal contempt, frankly. I, I, I only remember it being done one or two other times recently. And it, it's something that is done when somebody willfully disregards court orders. And so what was happening at the time is uh, Solomon Scheinrock, who was uh, an assistant district attorney in Manhattan investigating the Trump organization, uh, he was, what they were doing during this, uh, during the investigation, is issuing multiple grand jury subpoenas. And everybody recalls, the grand jury is a secret proceeding. And so grand jury subpoenas are also secret and anything that comes is secret. And so what what, what was happening was the paperwork uh, was they were subpoena ducis tecum, which is a Latin phrase for documents, subpoenas for documents. And so as opposed to a subpoena for a person to show up. So they were producing these documents and they were producing, frankly, thousands of documents that were going that um, the prosecutors were going through and however they could tell that there were certain documents that were not being provided and what um ada shine rock would do is would ask again and give them more time and ask them again and give them more time and then after a while when he wasn't getting a response he brings them to court and he went in front of judge mershon who then ordered the trump organization to turn to to produce those missing documents and once again, they didn't produce them, so he ordered them again, and he ordered them again. I mean, there were so many opportunities they were given the Trump organization to produce these documents. Uh, I believe there was um, four grand jury subpoenas and three court orders, and they specified what the documents were that they wanted. and the Trump organization just once again, you know they scroll away documents, they don't give them over. they don't comply with subpoenas. And so you have nothing else to do but charge them with contempt, and it's a it's a crime, uh, criminal contempt, and you have to prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. You have to show that what you did was willful and knowing. It was you know you willfully disobeyed the grand jury subpoena. It's not that it was an accident. You know, so that's what you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. And because the grand jury was secret at the time of this trial. They st- and the investigation continued, and they didn't want the investigation to be spoiled. The trial happened, and it was sealed, which is very rare for a criminal case. Criminal cases are, 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 um, and criminal trials are um, are public by virtue of the Constitu- the United States Constitution. And so, you know, the fact that there was a trial going on here, it's be- and and nobody knew about it, and it wasn't secret. It was ju- it was because of the grand jury secrecy laws. And, but what happened was uh, the grand jury eventually um, was disbanded, or you know, did, no, was no longer there. And at that point, they could have unsealed the finding of this trial. But as, as you pointed out, Judge Marchand, because of the publicity in the, surrounding this case, uh, there's no way that prospective jurors wouldn't have heard about that, and that could taint them. And be considered overly prejudicial because they would see how they are such obstructionists and don't and 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 basically have a, a criminal conviction, if you will. So, um, so that's what it means. And now he, but it, but now that the trial is over and before sentencing, Judge Mershon, uh, I think that was the reason he did it now because I could bet you anything he's going to take this into consideration when he sentences them and, you know, and use this as a reason to sentence him to the max, which is not very much, but at least he can do that now. Uh, I think the only um, fine for this particular criminal contempt is $4,000. So it's not like, you know, it's not, there's no, there's no teeth to any of these, uh, any of these laws. So why wouldn't Trump continue and, and the Trump organization and the Trump family? Why wouldn't they continue doing what they do, which is they have complete contempt for any law, for any order, for any judge. They do what they want and then they fight it. They bring these frivolous suits, they make frivolous arguments, and they just don't do anything. For them, it's like, so who cares that I'm held in criminal contempt? All I have to do is pay $4,000. You know, what they end up doing is they end up delaying things and they end up just using the court system for their own benefit. And I just think at a certain point, it's outrageous to see how they just do not follow the law. And the fact that we have somebody who's running for president, who was president, who just flagrantly does not follow the law is just, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I don't understand. There's just no, there's no, um, there's just no respect for the rule of law. But, and this is just yet another example, just the willful, Disobeying court orders to turn over documents in a criminal investigation. And that's
1: what they did. Yeah. Here, here's my view the fine is ridiculously low. I don't even know why Rashawn only issued $1,000 for each violation. The, the uh, year old office asked for $60,000 a day. And he certainly was empowered to do more. But, you know, just a couple of uh, points of clarification, not to your analysis, but just for our listeners and followers. The reason the Trump Organization was being subpoenaed and not it wasn't being done some other way, is because technically the entity that was convicted, the two entities that were convicted of the 17 counts of tax fraud and business record fraud, was not the Trump Organization. It was the Trump, um, the Trump Corporation and the Trump Payroll uh, Inc. And so the Trump Organization, which was their parent company, but they but, but through which these two companies they, they did all their business. That's why they were being subpoenaed as opposed to having documents produced some other some other way in the process. I think this was a, yes, it was important to get this out in the public record, as Judge Michaud said when he finally, after a year, unsealed a partially redacted version of the 28-page order. But I think this is also, as you said, this is Trump just thumbing his nose time and time again, but... If Rashad hadn't released it now, the Department of Justice would have been in the dark just as much as the public was. It's not like the Department of Justice has a secret uh, you know, line into all court systems and all sealed documents and knows everything that's going on in an omnipotent fashion, an omniscient fashion all over the country. It was news to the Department of Justice that the Trump Organization actually got to the level of so pissing off and flouting the orders of a sitting judge that a criminal contempt trial was held. This will help, and, and conviction was obtained, this will help the Department of Justice, and ultimately Chief Judge Beryl Howell, who just last week took a lot of flack for denying the Federal Department of Justice's motion for contempt on very similar, eerily similar issues. This is the pattern that we see with Donald Trump. It's he doesn't appoint a purpose a records custodian who, who becomes responsible under oath for certifying the search for documents that was done that it is complete under penalty of perjury. None of the lawyers want to now step into that and vouch for their client because they know their client's not trustworthy and their own law license can be jeopardized. You know, see four other uh, lawyers who have or are about to lose their law licenses, including Rudy Giuliani, just up the street in Washington, D.C., so the lawyers don't want to do it. Nobody wants to volunteer to be a records custodian for Donald Trump. There's no more dangerous spot to be in than to be his records custodian. Donald Trump doesn't want to do it because of all the criminal implications of signing something. So he doesn't. So he didn't do it in New York. The, the, the records custodian that he did appoint was basically useless and, and had misled the court, a fraud on the court, in his own testimony um, in that court. Uh, he you know the the uh, year old office Solomon Scheinrock asked him, "Have you been a records custodian before oh yes i've responded to dozens or hundreds of subpoenas that have come into the Trump organization over the years. You know we have it down to a science. we have a way to do this. Have you ever been found, sir? Uh, has it ever been found that your conduct of being a records custodian fell short of the requirements and, and you were punished to penalized? No, never. well the reality is he had been and the Trump organization had also been in trouble before in responding to other subpoenas in other cases. So, you have the same thing going on in Judge Beryl Howell's courtroom on the grand jury subpoenas. Nobody wants to be a a records custodian. Nobody wants to vouch for Donald Trump in an adequate search, having been done, of all of the places under his dominion and control, looking for documents. And So now, the Department of Justice can wave around Judge Bershon's ruling and say, Judge Howell, you should know, if you haven't seen it already, that the Trump Organization, led by Donald Trump, was convicted of contempt. This is now on the books for every word. Criminal contempt related to their document production conduct. Isn't that the same thing that's going here? And that'll ring a bell for this judge and future judges, whether it's the Georgia judges related to phony Willis's prosecution or anybody else. It is now stamped indelibly. In, indelibly like a scarlet letter on the Trump organization that they have been found in criminal contempt related to documents in a very important case that led to which led to two major subsidiaries being convicted of 17 counts of fraud. Um, so so it sounds like you were as surprised as, as everybody else was that this got released a year after it happened, right? Yeah, I
2: had no idea, I mean, I was completely yeah. surprised by it, but I agree with you that this is very much. To other judges who are also being the referee over whether or not documents have been produced, and show the willfulness of the fact that they just thumb their nose in the face of, of the rule of law. So I agree with you. I think this is as much for other judges. You know, look, frankly, it's I think it's relevant for the Mar-a-Lago document uh, case as well. You know, it's it's very much his MO and his people's MO they, of, of what they do. So.
1: Yeah, that's, and that's Beryl Howell. Yeah, listen, judges don't sleep in hyperbaric chambers or under a rock. They read the papers. They see the media. I know Mershon knew that Beryl Howell just denied a motion for contempt. They probably rang a bell at his head and said, hmm, I'm sitting on a criminally convicted Trump organization on some of these very, very issues. Trials over. Maybe it's time for the public the public's knowledge of justice, which is what the judge said in, as his rationale for releasing it now, and I agree with you, it's both sentencing and a clarion call to other judges, um, and now an indelible stamp on the Trump organization that, that can't be trusted, and it's now been so proven in a court of law on document issues. Um, you know, it comes. It, there comes a time in the show when sometimes, Karen, I am just inclined to to, to treat you like royalty. I mean, I try to treat you like royalty as a co-anchor anyway, like Lady Karen, you know, something like that. Wouldn't that be great if you could be Lady Karen? You
2: know, that would be absolutely amazing. I would love, it's, it's my dream actually. <laughs> to have that
1: to, title, right?
2: To have it, to have, you know, uh, to be royalty. So, you know, we have a really interesting product from one of our sponsors. It's called Highland Titles. Uh, Scotland is unusual in that it has legally defined in the Land Registration Act of 1979 a souvenir plot of land. These plots of land are so small that their value is solely commemorative or sentimental. They're a novelty, and you can buy them as a gift because these plots cannot be registered with Scottish land registry. There's no conveying of of the land. There's no solicitors or land taxes involved. And even though these plots cannot be registered in a conventional way, Customers can obtain a personal right of ownership, and it's a valid form of ownership, which can be passed on to future generations. So what can you do with your one square foot of
1: Scottish land? Highland what can you tibles. do with your what? I was just asking myself, Karen, what can you Highland do tibles, with your one?
2: It, it, allows <laughs> you,
1: it allows you to style yourself
2: as a lord or lady or laird of your estate. And each luxury gift pack comes with a personalized certificate, which displays your new style and identifies your unique Plot number. You can also look on Google Maps and see your plot of land. So it's not too late for Christmas because you can actually download your personalized certificate after checking out, and use the discount code LegalAF to receive twenty-five percent off at www.highlandtitles.com. I actually, after seeing this was so, I've seen this before, and I've I've um, thought it was really interesting. And so I actually one of one of my very close friends today is his eleventh birthday. And I right before we started taping, I went on there and I did this for him, and I'm gonna present him. He's he's Laird Alexander, and I'm going to present this to him. And it's so great. He's going it, to, to have that. I think it's this is a fantastic idea. I absolutely love it.
1: I I uh with Megan and Harry so quickly giving up their titles, I think it's great that you can, through this this Highland Titles Company sponsor, you can get a title, you can you can buy a title and get a three point three times uh, three size plot of land, great for the holidays, all the holidays, Hanukkah, Christmas, or whatever you celebrate, or just just to give a fun novelty gift to a friend. So, Am I going to have to start so,
2: calling you Lord Popeye? uh
1: You mean again? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Although I do like. Lord, I do like the sound of it. I do like, I think this is a very fun sponsor for us to have and, and, and really and welcome them to the show. Um, let's turn to the other reason that people love our show is our analysis of legal and political issues. Let's talk about uh, the New York Attorney General Letitia James and doing battle, not in New York, not where she should be doing battle where that has jurisdiction over her and her case against Donald Trump and all of the little trumpets, all the little children of Donald Trump in the civil fraud case brought under her very broad um, powers, unique powers as the attorney general of New York to go after people and individuals uh, who are continuing to commit fraud in the state. And and our statutes here specifically 63-12, give her extraordinarily broad and muscular powers against a company that's been accused of fraud, even in the civil context. Well, Donald Trump doesn't like the way that case is going, and having already lost any New York State jury trial criminal with a much higher burden of proof on his, on his main company, his only company, on 17 counts of tax fraud. He's now staring down the barrel of a civil fraud case that actually probably has more ability to disrupt his finances and his life and the operation of his business in New York than even the criminal trial does because the criminal trial with a jury, yes, he's convicted, and that will now stay on the Trump organization's record and will make it difficult for them to get conventional lending, to get insurance, to get licenses. But over on the civil side... Uh, this might sound counterintuitive, but we've talked about it in a past podcast on the civil side, the judge and the New York Attorney General have tremendous power if, if a jury finds that they have committed civil fraud, Trump and his children, to take away their company, give it the death penalty, um, uh, make sure it doesn't do business in New York any longer. And uh, seeking, Letitia James is seeking at least a $250 million worth of disgorgement back to the state of New York for what she believes is ill-gotten gains or profits. Well, Trump doesn't like all of that. And where is his favorite jurisdiction? Um, his backyard in Florida. And he files cases all over the state. He tries to do it in, in the northern part of the state, hoping to get a great judge for him like Eileen Cannon. And he was successful. He, he just filed a case against the Nobel Peace Prize Committee because they gave out a peace prize based, in his view, on the Russia interference um, uh, reporting, so he sued them in the, from a county nobody's ever heard of in the middle of the state called Okeechobee County, probably because he's got another buddy there or a Trumper is sitting on the bench there. And then he ran down to his, his other favorite place, the courthouse in West Palm Beach, uh, first in the state court, because he's already scared of, of Judge Donald Middlebrooks. D- judge Donald Middlebrooks, which is the senior judge in the West Palm Beach division of the Southern District of Florida. And I, as people know, I've been in front of him uh, over the years in various cases and trials. He's a no-nonsense judge, he's apolitical, um, but you better come prepared in this courtroom with the law and the facts on your side or you're gonna be tossed out. Um, the case that he originally filed against Hillary Clinton and all of the Democrats, the Democratic National Committee and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and all these other people With with just a vendetta lawsuit, um, a performative lawsuit, as Judge Middlebrooks called it, just political in nature, having nothing to do with the law, other facts. That was tossed a month and a half ago by Don Middlebrooks, dismissed with prejudice and a finding of sanctionable conduct by Donald Trump and his lawyers. And he's in the process of awarding up to a million dollars in fees to the other side who had to defend this BS case. That's the Don Middlebrooks, Judge Middlebrooks we're talking about. Donald Trump decided that he was going to try to drag Letitia James, the New York Attorney General's office, all the way down to Florida and a Florida courthouse to try to argue there that, that she doesn't have jurisdiction over his major asset, which is his trust, which he formed, where apparently all of his financial assets are sitting, and trying to get a Florida judge to interfere with the New York judge and the New York powers and put a stop to the civil fraud case in a New York courthouse. Even the the first listener, the person who's only listened to the show for the first time today, is probably saying, how does a Florida court have jurisdiction over a New York court's proceedings? The answer to that is, it doesn't. But Donald Trump trying to avoid Don Middlebrooks for the second time, filed it in state court at the courthouse across the street from the federal court, hoping to God that he would get a more favorable what he didn't bank on was that Letitia James would immediately, based on the filing of a one-page document, which gets the case removed and brought from the state system over to the federal system, and then randomly assigned to Don Middlebrooks. Karen, you got Don Middlebrooks sitting over there. You got Letitia James having filed her recent paper. What do you make of all this? And what do you think? What do you think Don Middlebrooks is going to do with a second bite at the apple of, of Donald Trump and his? his attempts to involve Florida courts in New York civil fraud cases.
2: Does that count as a, as a related case because it's, it's Trump?
1: I I don't think so. I don't think it's the party that makes it related. It would be if it relates, I think the way the related party part goes on the uh, civil cover sheet uh, in this matter would be, you'd have to reveal the existence, not of a prior case involving uh, Donald Trump, but in, um, it, it have to be involved in some way, overlapping with the prior case, which this one does not.
2: Yeah, so interesting. So, th- I, I think he's—it's clear he's going to throw this out and say, you know, he don't—we don't have jurisdiction over this. Go, go to your own federal court in New York, or go deal with the judge that you have in New York. I mean, this is so clear that he's just trying to use what he views as more favorable judges in Florida to evade New York law and get better rulings, because he doesn't like the ones that he's gotten in New York so far. And, you know, he the, the bottom line is, you know, she, she called him uh, Tish James, the attorney general, in her filing, asked the judge to reject um, this lawsuit that he's filing, you know, calling him disgruntled, and, you know, he's, he's seeking emergency protection for his trust, but I mean, because he accuses her of of invading his privacy. His whole his whole theme is that if if she gets the things that she wants, she'll immediately widely distribute it, and that's an invasion of my privacy. But um, I, I don't know where he even gets that from. You know, the 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 various people who are investigating him and who have all his information and documents have not leaked anything, actually. So I, I really don't understand where where he gets that from, but I, I think the judge is going to throw it out. I mean, it just makes no sense, and it's so obvious what he's doing. However, my what I'm hoping is that the judge sanctions him, not just throws this out, because he at, at a certain point you have to say enough's enough. You can't use the justice system the way he is using it uh, through his 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 fake lawyers who have no ethics whatsoever to just manipulate people and manipulate the, try to manipulate the system at a certain point, I think judges are going to have to really, really start sanctioning him. What what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think Don Middlebrooks is going to uh, be hard pressed to find that there was any merit to the filing of this case. This is a whole nother crop of lawyers we haven't heard about before. Um, that are sitting in Tampa, but that's not the brains of the operation. Uh, There's been a lot of reporting that Boris Epstein, a lawyer who's on the radar for the Department of Justice and a target of, I think, a target of their investigations, he's been, he's like the new consigliere for Donald Trump and makes him, he kind of practices all the dark arts um, related to him, and he he caters to um, uh, Trump's darkest instincts, and he's the one against apparently the recommendation is strongly held belief by